How many of you have uh, already messed up this year? No, I'm not done yet. Don't raise your hand. Writing the year correctly. 2022. <laughs> Does anyone ever catch themselves like writing 2012? <laughs> That's when you know you need a little bit more coffee in the morning, right? So uh, we've been doing this, man, it's got to be like five, five or four years. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to remember. Things go fast, don't they? Uh, doing a word of the year. How many of you have heard of word of the year before? So it's, it's kind of this idea that uh, resolutions are way too hard. <laughs> and uh, it, it almost seems like resolutions are made to be broken within the first few days. And uh, I, I've been guilty of that before, like, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, and I, I'm good for a while, and then I fall off of it. And I, I heard this, I, I think it was on Moody Radio years ago, and I thought, you know what, that makes sense to me. So I think it was the next year we, we did it here, and it was helpful. And so I want to kind of share that with you. So maybe you, you still have a chance to improve your year. Did you know there's still part of the year left, right? And uh, the goal sometimes that we have is, is to improve ourselves and or improve our surroundings. And in order to do that, we kind of have to focus. And that's the difficulty sometimes with resolutions is, is we don't keep focused on them and we lose steam and we drop off, and we don't get it accomplished, and you know, instead of getting in shape, we eat another donut. And so, uh, and that can be a good thing, I guess, if you like donuts, right? So what I want to do uh, this year, though, is, is talk about our word of the year, and this is a little bit later than we have in the past, but we're here now, and I'm glad that you're here now, and uh, I'm glad that God has in his word something for us. And I was thinking about this, about uh, two months ago, I started really thinking about, okay, what is our word of the year? Last year, our word of the year was action. Everyone say action. Action. We got a lot of stuff done. And, and I saw a lot of the teams form around that word action as far as what they were doing, how they were operating. And honestly, the unity that came out of that was excellent. I, I love seeing things happen, and I don't even know they're happening. So the Fellowship Hall, thank you, Karen, was painted, and I didn't know. I knew the hall over here had been painted, and Colleen was in there painting a lot. And then someone said something about the Fellowship Hall, and I was like, what? And I walked in there, and it was painted. And I knew it was on the project list, right? So that's not an issue. But I walked in, I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's action. People are taking action. We got the yellow box put in. That was this last year. And, and so now we, you guys are acting by bringing in cans of uh, goods and, and we're giving food out in the community and, and probably thousands of meals. And I think it just about gets emptied twice a week. You think about that. That is a pantry getting emptied twice a week. And, and even this week I had people come in and say, well, we got some plans about where we can house the food now because it's growing. And, and maybe we can get some other stuff that we're going to give away. And this is all action stuff. And it's almost like you get the ball rolling, and then when something's moving, it's hard to slow it down. And, and I'm really excited about that, because that's ministry that's going outside into our community. And, and I look around, and I see a lot of action that you guys are taking within your personal ministries. And so that's going to continue. Just because it's not the word of the year doesn't mean we're going to stop. Amen? That's kind of like a please, please don't stop right there. I like it when things are happening. 
I like it. That's the sign of health when things are growing and happening and things are getting done. So last year was action. Uh, you know, teams, even teams that aren't within our our normal team framework, some impromptu teams gathered together. Like now, there's a fundraising team that's trying to raise uh, funds for the parking lot, and they're doing all of that on their own. And I thank God for all of them because I hate begging for money, and they do such a good job of creating fun events that isn't begging and allowing other people to participate. In fact, I think they're going to be trying to do a fish fry. So if you're interested in helping out in a fish fry, well, are you? I don't know if we're supposed to even talk about that yet, but they're going to try to do it. Uh, go, go talk to Colleen. She wants to get that done. So if you know how to run a fryer, we need your help. I don't think they're going to allow me next to hot grease. We'll see. Uh, they'll let me know the fish, right? I get to eat it, right? Okay, as long as I get to eat it. I want to help eat it. Yeah, okay, so we're going to do some stuff this year. It's going to be good stuff. This year, uh, I was thinking about it, and I had like a whole sentence, because I know it's word of the year, but I created a whole sentence, and I was like, I can't do that, because that doesn't make any sense. It has to be a word, right? This year, guess what the word is? Grow. And uh, here's really how I want you to think about it. I do almost want you to think about it as a, a sentence. I want you to think about grow as grow in Jesus and grow deep and wide. It's almost two sentences, right? Grow in Jesus and grow deep and wide. And growing Jesus is something that I, I've said for a long time. I think it was some of the earliest things that I, I said when I was coming, first came here, was that we really need to grow in Jesus. And what I mean by that is growing deep and wide in Him. How many of you remember the children's Sunday school song? Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. I'm doing it all wrong. This is why I'm not in the children's ministry right now. But, but this is what God wants us to do, right? So when we come to Jesus and we receive salvation, that's just the start. That basically means that we're going to be with him for all of eternity. And our eternity starts right now. A lot of us are, are thinking, oh, you know, when I get to heaven, it's going to be so different. But Jesus actually welcomes us into the kingdom of heaven now. So he wants to be active in participating in the kingdom of heaven even now. That means we're supposed to bring just a little bit of heaven to earth. And so that requires us to grow. Well, how do we grow? Well, we grow deep in Jesus in his word. Whoa, there went my notes. We grow deep in him and his word. And we, we begin to understand who he is. So we're growing down. Our roots are going into him. And then we grow out. We branch out. And, and that isn't about ourselves. It's about who? I heard it. Say it louder. Everyone else. What was the most important thing that Jesus wanted to get across? Remember when the, the Pharisees and the, the people came up to him and they said, Hey, you know what? What is the most important law? What's the important thing, Jesus, here? And what did Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, tell him? He told them to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what? Love others as yourself. So we have the vertical with God, and then we have the horizontal with others. And if we're aligned with where God wants us to be, then we're going to be reaching out, and that image almost creates a cross. Can you, can you picture it? It creates a cross. So we get right with God, and then because we're getting right with God, that love grows within us, and then we have a desire to spread that. 
Because here's what the world needs and what you need and your neighbor needs in our town right here, Arcadia and Atlanta and Cicero and Noblesville, Indianapolis, uh, Anderson, all of these areas, Alwood, everywhere around us needs love. And they need the love of Jesus that pursues them, that corrects them, and that grows them into the potential that they're called to be. A lot of people are not interested in what we're doing here right now. They're not interested in church at all. But you know what they are interested? They're interested in being loved. They want to be loved. And who can do that better than God? God loves us unconditionally. Most of the people around me, I can tick off pretty easily. And then their love for me kind of goes down a little bit, or it's harder for them to love me, right? God loves us even despite ourselves. God pursues us and chases us down. And God loves us too much to leave us where we are. So I don't want you to think, oh, Pastor Ben's preaching down a watered, you know, watered-down message about love, and let's just love everybody and throw flowers at them. No. God loves us, but He loves us too much to leave us where we are. Because He knows that we need Him. Jesus said that I come not for the healthy and the righteous, I came for the sick. He's like a doctor. He came for the spiritually needy, not for those that think they have it all together. So it's important for us to acknowledge, first of all, that if we're going to grow deep in Jesus, that we all have needs, and that we all mess up, and that we still have a need for Jesus to help us to grow in discipleship and to help us become who he wants us to be. How many of you still have a need for Jesus to heal you spiritually? Yeah. So (laughs) it's almost like that old saying, the first, the first part of growing and getting better is acknowledging you have a problem. We all have a spiritual problem. The world has a spiritual problem. They may not think of it as a spiritual problem, but they have a spiritual problem. They need love. They need love. But then they need a love that grows them. Not just leaves them there, but that grows them. And that's what Jesus' love wants to do for you even if you feel like you haven't grown for a while. Have you ever had that feeling that, you know, you're not going backwards, but you kind of feel plateaued? Like you, I, I've had that feeling. I've had that. I think Jesus wants us to experience His presence, His Spirit, in a way that is exciting, and it's relevant to us, and it helps us, but it also helps others around us. This is a great thing about God's blessing is it isn't really just for me, it's for who? It's for everyone else. So I I think that God wants us to grow. That God wants us to grow in Jesus, and he wants us to grow deep and wide. And when we talk about deep, we're really talking about discipleship. Growing in discipleship, which, which is kind of a big word for following Jesus. So when Jesus went out and called the disciples and and uh, I heard the verse again today where he uh, designated who his disciples were going to be. So he had a, a crowd of people that were following him around. A lot of times we read the scripture and we think, oh, he just had these 12 guys. 
A lot of the times there was other people outside of those 12 that were around him too. And so he had all these people that he had kind of called and said, hey, come on, I'm going to teach you. And then out of those, the Holy Spirit selected for him and helped him choose these 12 that were going to be the apostles. And so he picks all of these people and he they become what we know as the disciples. And so what does disciple mean? Well, disciple means that you are a student of the teacher. Well, who is the teacher? Jesus was the teacher. He was the rabbi. That's what rabbi means. It means teacher. And so sometimes in some translations, you'll see teacher written down. So what's happening is Jesus has his pupils, his students that are following him. But his students are people that aren't just in his class. How many of you have taken a class before where you don't care about it at all, but you just want to pass it so you can get it done? And you pass it. In fact, you may even get an A, a B, or maybe like me, a C+. Plus. I was pretty proud of that. And then immediately after you're done with it, you like go into your brain with that mouse, and you hit the delete button, and that whole file is just gone. It's like when my kids bring me their math, I'm like, I don't know, you want to go talk to your mom. So I'm busy, I've got something else to do. The truth is, I don't know how to do what you're doing. <laughs> you have passed me. I am I'm not there. I deleted that information because they always told us in school, you'll, know how, you'll have to know this because you're not going to have a calculator with you all the time. Like, What are they? Yeah, I can ask. I don't even have to type it in. Like, hey, where's my address? I don't even have to know that anymore. You know, they say that people don't know phone numbers anymore because they, they got them all programmed into their phone. I've asked people their phone number before. They're like, uh, let me look it up. God wants us to grow in Him. And He doesn't want us to have this idea of faith as being something that we just acquire like a diploma and then forget. So what he really wants us to do is to have a working knowledge of him. So that's even how he te- taught the disciples, if you think about it. It wasn't like they just came into church or synagogue and learned. They actually learned on the job. They had on-the-job training. They were apprenticing. And to be a disciple wasn't just sitting in a classroom and and getting your test work done and then graduating. No, 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 no. It was modeling your life after who the teacher was. And so what they did is they lived exactly the way that Jesus lived for three or so years, and they learned what Jesus taught them through that, and then they were supposed to go and do that everywhere they went and bring others alongside of them to do it. So whatever they saw Jesus doing is what they were supposed to do, right? We talk about it sometimes. We know that God wants to speak to us and then what? Work through us. That was the process. Jesus would teach them. He'd say, hey, check this out. Come over here. I'm going to do something weird. And they would, <laughs> they would go with him. And then he would, he would like cast a demon out. It was bizarre stuff, right? And they'd be like, whoa. And he was like, yeah. Okay, you go try. And they're like, uh-uh. Because <laughs> that's what I would do. I'd be like, uh, uh, get out. <laughs> and then they come back to him, hey, Jesus, it didn't work. <laughs> 
And, and then he'd be like, okay, well, it's because you didn't have faith. And, oh, oh, this one that you're dealing with right now requires a lot of prayer, and it requires preparation and fasting. And you've got be, you to be right with God. And then you later on have uh, Jesus' uh, brother writing about it and saying, you've got to be prayers that the righteous affect much and availeth much. So they were, they were learning on the job. They were figuring it out. And then eventually you even see that they're doing the same things that, that Jesus did. And they're praying for the sick, and they're praying for the blind, and those people are getting healed. So you see the disciples doing exactly what Jesus did. It wasn't just like up here. It was out there. And that's what it means to be a disciple. So, so let's, not get, let's not get bored with this idea of, of what church is, because church is not supposed to be just a learning. It is supposed to be a doing. Amen? Because what does it matter if you know everything, but it doesn't change anything? You realize if we're called into the kingdom of heaven, we're called to push that kingdom boundary forward. We are occupying our neighborhood. We are occupying our street. We are occupying our family. And we are pushing Jesus out. And we are hope dealers in a community that needs it. And we need it first, right? It has to be within to come out. So we have to grow in Jesus. We have to make a decision that that's what we're going to do. Matthew 28, verse 19. We're going to have one made verse. You can just, if you got a pen, write it down. Part of this is on our t-shirts out there. It says, what does it say there? Therefore, what? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's read it all together, okay? I want you to almost have this memorized by the time you leave today. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Pretty important words that Jesus lays out. It's called the Great Commission. I had a professor that called it the Great Omission. Meaning that we know it, but we don't do a great job of what? Doing it, applying it, turning it into a verb. It's interesting. Jesus, these are the last words he tells the disciples. Some of the last words he tells them. He's getting ready to ascend to the Father, and he says, hey, one last thing. One last thing. Here's what I want you to do. Remember all that stuff I taught you? I want you to go teach others. Remember all that stuff I did? I want you to do that too. Remember how I was baptized and you were baptized and we did that baptizing stuff? I want you to keep doing that. And here's how I want you to, I want you to go and create what? Disciples of all the nations. You have to realize these people didn't know about Jesus yet. These people didn't know that they needed a Savior. This wasn't people that were, grew up in church. This is who? The whole world. The whole world. It's interesting because you look at Acts and you see how the early church began and it, it, it reaches this this crescendo where it's just growing and, and Peter stands up and he preaches this message, it just greatest message by a person that wasn't Jesus, basically. And they all they all get saved, like thousands of people get saved right there. And then they go get baptized immediately. And the church in Jerusalem just grows like this. And then it reaches this point where it's time for them to leave the nest and persecution comes. 
and it drives them out. And at first, you're like, oh, persecution, that's of the enemy. I want you to know that what the enemy intends for evil, God uses for what? Good. He doesn't just tweak it and make it work. It's like the enemy has a plan. God's like, that's great. Watch this. It's like, you think that you came up with that plan on your own. The persecution of the church is going to grow this thing. And all of a sudden you have missionaries all over the world. You have Paul who was trying to kill Christians before and he's getting knocked off his horse literally and, and getting God put into him and, and following and changing the world and, and writing a lot of the New Testament that we read about because the Holy Spirit was active and pushing the church out into the community. And it was when the church went out into the world that you see everything change and that's the reason we're here today is because of missionaries like that and the disciples obeyed. Disciples make disciples that make disciples. That's what they do. And Matthew 28, 19 gives us marching orders. This is what we're called to do. This is the mission of all of the churches. This is what every church that believes in the name of Jesus Christ is called to do. This is what every believer is called to do. And, and this is what you are called to do. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. So you better have a grip on what a disciple is, and you better have an idea that you're a disciple, right? And then you can bring others into that faith. And you see that we're called to do that. So a tell of a disciple is, is somebody who makes a disciple that makes a disciple. It's almost like you've got grandbaby disciples. It's like when you train up somebody in the faith and then you see them come to faith and they grow strong and then they raise someone else up. That's what we're called to do. This is what Jesus put in place. This is the church in action, 2819. Matthew 2819. The Great Commission. What we're called to do. There are three habits of discipleship that I want to look at that I think that we can do. And, and there are so many other habits of discipleship. But I had to boil it down to three because you guys want to go eat lunch eventually, right? So three habits of discipleship that I think can further you this year, will help you grow in Jesus this year, that you can do, I believe in you, and the person sitting next to you believes in you too, right? Turn to them and say, I believe in you. Why are you guys laughing? <laughs> I believe in you. Three habits of discipleship that I think you can do, all right? One, how many of you are on board with that? You're like, oh, no, I'm not doing that, man. <laughs> Pastor Ben, do you know how many pages are in here? Let's look how many pages are in this one. That can't be right. Uh, 1,050? I don't even read all the posts on Facebook. <laughs> I just repost it before I read it. Okay, how many of you want to do this? All right, a few of you. How many of you know that it would be good for you and you need to do it? It's like eating your vegetables. All right. I don't care how you do it. I just want you to do it. I want you to do it. So we are using the Bible app, and I know some of you, we got like eight or nine of us that I know of just in that link, and I know if you click that link, I emailed it a week ago, that you may not be on that board, but uh, 
I listened to it this morning. It took me about 10 minutes. And I listened to it while I was getting breakfast, and I remember some of it. We're not going to remember all of it. You're not going to memorize the whole Bible in a year. That's not the goal. The goal is to listen to it and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Often it's good to do this in the morning. It's a good way to start your day, better than even coffee. I know, know, for me that's saying something, okay? But this is a good thing. Read through the Bible this year. If you read it and if you know it, then you're going to understand who God is deeper. And I guarantee you, there's going to be so much more that God shows you through that. And that even like the verse, one of the verses I shared in this message already was from the reading today. And I wouldn't have shared it if I didn't listen to it. Faith comes through hearing. And we have a chance to hear the word of the Lord. So I open up my little YouVersion Bible app, and I listen to it. And I force my kids to listen to it because it's playing on the little tiny echo dot. But they hear it in the morning and I'm hearing it and it's building me up and it's encouraging me and it's giving me spiritual energy for the day. You know, Jesus said that he's the bread of life. Some of us are spiritually anorexic. We need to beef up on the word of God and we need to get the word in our hearts so we can go out and live our life the way that God calls us to. How many of you think that you would grow in your faith a little bit if you read through the Bible this year? Amen. Some of you probably never read through the whole Bible before. This is going to be a great year for you. You do it, I'm telling you. And here's what it's really hard to do, for me at least. So I'm I'm not recommending that you do this. If you're doing it this way, go for it. I am not dissuading you. But if you're starting, do not try to read from Genesis to Revelation one book at a time. You're going to get caught up somewhere in the Old Testament. If you find a good reading plan... And you can talk to me. If you, if you give me your email address, if I don't have it yet, we have a contact form in there. If you give me your email address on that contact form, I will send you a link to a reading plan that goes Old Testament, New Testament, and then every other day, uh, Prover- I think maybe Proverbs or Psalms. I think it's Psalms. So you read a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament, and this is a good way of seeing how these all work together and how this is what, what Jesus brought together. So you read through the Bible in a year, how many of you are, are ready and willing to try that out? You're going to do it. I believe in you. Remember, I said, I believe in you. Say to the person next to you, I believe in you. You can do it. See me if you don't have a way of doing that. Give me uh, your email, and I will get you a way to do that. Um, even if you don't have a smartphone, you don't have an app or something like that, I'll figure it out. We'll print you off something. You'll be able to do it. Number two, continue, because I notice you're already here. Good job, right? Continue in Sunday worship and fellowship. So that's not just Sunday worship, but maybe it's Sunday school too. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's something that just happens organically around your neighborhood or with your family where you're uh, growing in Jesus together. Because here's the thing. Jesus called the disciples together, not individually. So he grew them together, and that's how God grows people. He makes us put up with each other. And then we have to deal with each other. And dealing with each other points out our flaws, not just the other person's flaws, right? And then by that, we are sharpened and created more like Jesus. Because we're around people of Jesus, we become more like Jesus. So faithfully attend worship and fellowship. And then three, be a part of a team um, or small group. So be a part of a ministry. This is really what I'm saying here. I want you to be active. 
I want, to, I want you still to have action. I want you to take action. I want you to be part of a team. I, I believe that all of the church should be serving somehow, somewhere. And maybe that's just smiling and praying for somebody. Even if you can't do physically anything, you can still pray. If you can hear my voice, you can still pray. And you can pray for other people. So everybody has a spiritual gift. We talk about that in uh, Breakfast with the Pastor. And everybody has an opportunity to minister within the church. And you see that the disciples aren't just listening to Jesus. They're going out and what? Doing things. And so we're called to do things too. So maybe it's greeting in the Welcome Center. Maybe it's uh, helping Aiden out in the back with videotaping or, or running uh, Proclaim or learning how to do sound or, or praying for the worship team. Maybe it's shoveling the sidewalks if, and if it ever snows this year. I don't know. Uh, maybe it is just finding something that you can do to minister and serve with others. I believe that Jesus has a place for you and that we need to figure out what that place is. Some of you have passions and you have things that you want to do in your life. I think the church is called to help you fulfill those things because God has put those dreams in your heart and in your mind. And so we're called to help that and you're called to help us as well. So these are three habits I think that you can do this year of discipleship. So that's the first part is to grow in Jesus, which is really discipleship. And then the other one is to go wide, and that is evangelism. Everyone say evangelism. It's interesting to me that like different corporations now are having like this person is the evangelist of this company. You know, that, that just means they're a promoter. They're talking about and they're sharing and they're opening up opportunities for other, others to be in. That's what we're called to do. Matthew 28, 19 says, go, go. If we don't go, how will they know? They won't. We got to go. And then we have to actually open up our mouths. Everyone go, ah. Oh, Pastor Ben, that was ugly. Don't do that again. Hey, I'm just glad you're all back there and you can't smell my breath. I got a mint for right after this. Go, go and make disciples of all nations. So we have to preach. We have to teach. We have to encourage. Uh, Brother Tim, there, there he is. He was over in our, our breakfast this morning. Everyone say hi to Tim. I'm sorry, I'm bugging. Everyone's going to know who Tim is now. Tim's a great guy. And he was, he was just sharing a little bit during our breakfast about how God just placed him in the position to share his faith and to pray with someone. And he, he, he's put a couple people in his life that way. You start praying for opportunities, God's going to give them to you. You start thinking about it and, and looking at where God is opening up opportunities for you to share your faith, God is going to give them to you. And as you go, so that's, that's one of the things that one of my professors pointed out, and he, he just taught on this so magnificently. He said, as you go, if you look at this, it's therefore as you go, because how many of you realize that you go places? You do things. So wherever you go, this is what you're to do. And then you're also to pray and ask, hey, God, where do you want me to go? How do you want me to live? Where do you want me to be so that this is happening? So as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is why even at ABC, I love it when parents baptize their own kids. That is Because I may be their pastor for 10 years, 20, I don't know how long God has me here or there or alive or breathing. But as long as you're their parent, even when you go into eternity, you're still going to be, hey, that was my boy. And I got to be a part of that. 
That was my girl, and I got to be a part of that. I helped her. I, I baptized them. And you notice even the disciples baptized, so it's not just a pastor that does the baptizing. It's all the other people, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're baptizing them into the kingdom of heaven, helping them do that. So here, here's something that I know, that hell being real demands evangelism. If we are called to love people, right? We're called to love as Jesus loved, then we sure better be telling the truth about an eternity without God. And if we're not telling the truth about that, or we're not loving people enough to say, hey, it's important that you know Jesus, then we're not really sharing the kingdom of heaven the way we're supposed to be sharing it. We don't have an intensity to our, our, our push and our drive into message. And then we need to go back to our discipleship and make sure that we understand what God wants us to do. We're called to baptize them. We're called to preach to them. And the only way they're baptized is if they've received salvation. So we need to make sure that people know about Jesus. The, the church that created the Uversion Bible app, which was kind of a mistake, by the way, they created a website. And they thought this website will really take off, and it kind of bombed. And so they're like, well, we can't make it work. What if we just kind of create like an app off to the side? And so they did that, and all of a sudden, whoo! And now this church gives away this Bible, Bibles, like millions and millions of Bibles, and people read it all the time and listen to it and everything. They have Bible studies based out of that. Uh, this church had a focus that I think allowed them to do that. This is what the pastor always says there. Anything short of sin to see people saved. We are willing to do anything short of sin to see people saved. We are on a rescue mission. Are you on the rescue mission? We are on a rescue mission to see people saved, to help them to know Jesus, to preach the gospel to them, to let them know that this is an important thing, this is the most important decision that they can make, that they follow Jesus. So how do they do that? Well, first of all, they have to have an understanding of where they are. God created them for a purpose and a meaning, and God wanted to have a relationship with them. But because of the sin that happened in the garden, and because of the sin that's in their own heart and in their own deeds, they are separated from God, and there is a big distance that they cannot make up by doing good things. The only way for us to come to God the Father is through Jesus Christ the Son. And what Jesus did on that cross was gave us opportunity to come back and he extended grace to us. Now we have to receive that grace. And when we receive that, we are repenting. So we say, God, I realize that I've made mistakes. How many of you have been there? A few of you have made mistakes before, not just me. And because of my mistakes, I need to be made right. But the only way to be made right in this court of eternal law is for somebody to pay my penalty. And Jesus Christ paid that penalty. And now I need to be set free of the debt that I have, the spiritual debt that is over me because I am in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing. And I need Jesus to do that for me. So Jesus removes your sins, washes you, cleans you up, and says, I've paid the debt that you couldn't pay. And so we receive that salvation. We receive that in repentance. And we receive forgiveness. How many of you like to be forgiven? How many of you have difficulty forgiving? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Like even with my kids, it's hard sometimes. Like some of them, are, they'll, they'll say sorry really quick, but they don't mean it at all. Like, sorry. 
that is not sorry. You know, you know, they're not even sorry. We have to have a, a place where we're actually sorry. God, I realize, man, I messed up. And, and this is even, you know, for this week, I've messed up this week. Like, I, I've fallen short. I, I haven't done everything you wanted me to do, and I didn't do it right. Will you forgive me? And, and the Father is waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come and ask forgiveness. He's like a good parent. See, sometimes I think we have this idea of God, like, just waiting for us to come in repentance. And, you know, we come in repentance, and he's like, ha, 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 ha. And then he smacks us when we're down there asking for forgiveness. God is a good father, amen? What he wants you to be is restored to him. He wants you to bring you into the family of God. So that's, that's, that's what he's doing. We have, to, we have to come to that salvation ourselves, but then we want to extend that. So number one, here's how we do that. Three quick ways. Share your stories of faith. What is God showing you? How did God get you through something? You have to share your faith. Share your stories of faith. How many of you have done that on accident before? Like, like somebody asks you something before you know it, you're like preaching a sermon. You're out there like, well, yeah, well, let me tell you about what God did to me when I was a, like, I was a mess back then, and, and here's how God straightened me out, and here's how God spoke to me, or I, I went through this death in my family, and, and the only way I got through it was with God's help, and you, you are sharing your faith. Share your story of faith, amen? How many of you have got a story? You got a story of something that God did for you. Do not keep that inside of you. Share it wherever you go. When someone brings something up, you go, yeah, that's, that's got to be tough. Can I tell you about a time that something happened to me and God saw me through it? That is a testimony of what God can do in your life. So share your faith. Number two, don't get cut off in arguments. <laughs> you are not going to be able to argue someone into heaven. <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it doesn't happen that way. You know what draws people in? The love of Christ. We don't argue people. Then we can tell people that we don't agree with them. I'm not saying you don't say that. Like, so, you know, that's not where I am. That's not where I come out. Let me tell you why. Because here's what God showed me in my faith and my life. But don't get into a heated argument with them on Facebook and expect them one day to just realize that you were right. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know what does work is the love of Jesus. And that's what Jesus does. Like Jesus rebukes people when they're wrong, for sure. I see that in Scripture. He says, no, that's not how it is. You don't, know, you don't understand how the kingdom of heaven is. But at the same time, he doesn't get into a fight with them. I, I love it. Like when, when Jesus, how many of you know the story of the woman caught in adultery? You kind of wonder where the man was because she was caught with the man. But then the man, they let him go and they bring her in. She's caught in adultery. And they say, what, what are we supposed to do in this situation, Jesus? And they're trying to put him in a trap. Because the, the answer, according to the old law, is that she needs to be stoned. And, and so Jesus gets down and just doodles in the dirt. Just kind of draws. And then it says, whoever's without what? Sin, you cast the first stone. I think he was talking about some of them were probably in adultery too. Some of them might have been in there. And there's arguments that he may have been writing names in the dirt of the ladies that they were with. <laughs> like, whoa! <laughs> he didn't get in an argument with them. He just said, hey, that's not how it is. That's not how it is. So don't get caught up in arguments. And number three, what? Invite others. Invite others. Here's the deal. Um, a lot of people 
aren't going to be saved until they're accepted. That's why we say accept others where they are so they can believe in Jesus and care for each other, ABC. Accept, believe, care. A lot of them are not going to be they're not going to be around us to even know that they would want to be a part of us. And they need to know that the love of God loves them and draws them in. Amen? So invite others. And here's three cues to invite because, you know, sometimes we don't know and we forget to. These are three easy things. I'm going to rehash these eventually too. Three cues to invite. If somebody starts telling you things are not going well, how many of you hear a story like that a week at work? Yeah. Things are not going well. It's not how I, th life is not the way I thought it'd be. I've got this in my life. I'm having this issue with my wife. I'm having this issue with my husband. I'm having this issue with my kids. I'm having, you know what? You should come with me to church. You should come. Our pastor talks about that. Or, uh, you know what you need? You sound like you need community. You sound like that would help you out. Think of these ways. Things are not going well, so that's one of them. Number two, what? I was not prepared for, which is kind of a way of saying this differently. It's like, I just, I was not prepared for these last two years. I wasn't, you know, I'm going through this, or I'm struggling with anxiety, or I was not prepared for the death of this loved one. I'm going, that is a cry for help. You know that? When someone is saying this, they're looking for help. Who better to bring them to than Jesus? So you share a story of your faith, and you say, hey, you know what? There's a community of people just that are struggling just like you in different things, because we're struggling with this stuff too, right? Things are not always going well. I was not prepared for, and number three, what is that? I'm not from here. There are people moving into our communities all the time that need support and need families, and they need structure, and they need help, and this is where God wants them to be. I believe that. So we can do that. Amen? How many of you picked up one of these? Can someone go and pick up the rest of them on the round table and hand them out to everyone? Thank you, Joy. I see you getting up already. She was on it. This is an invite. Next week we are starting. We are starting a series called Running from God. How many of you have been in a sprint for a while? <laughs> have any of you ever ran from God? You ran from the love of God. That's really what you're doing. I'm not talking about discipline where he's coming to try to crash down on you. I'm talking about we run from God's mercy and grace sometimes. And we're going to learn a lot from the story of Jonah. Here is this card. And I, I want you to think about somebody. I want you to be here for it. But I want to thank you about somebody that needs to hear this. Has, here, here's what I know. Not everybody wants to go to church, but everyone needs to be loved. And we're going to be talking about the love and grace of God throughout this whole series. That is the big idea in Jonah, by the way. I'm kind of giving you the, the cliff notes behind it. It isn't about a whale. It's a story about a God that pursues with grace, mercy, and love even the worst of people. And Jonah's a pretty bad dude if you actually look at him. We're going to look at that. So uh, we're going to be going this verse-by-verse -verse teaching, and we're going to look at the background, history, and everything else. This is a chance for you to invite somebody. You can share an invite on Facebook, but you can also invite them personally. You hand them one of these things, and you can invite them, because maybe they're running from God. Maybe you can look at their life and say, hey, uh, are you running from the love of God? Are you running from the purpose that God has on your life? There are times I've done that. I think we all have. So here's what we're to do. We're to grow in Jesus. Amen? We grow deep and wide. Deep and wide. Deep. Okay, don't do that. Okay. I guess I don't do that. 
I offered my interpretive dance skills for the worship team this morning, and they said, no, thank you. It's probably a good call. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> no joke. She's just like, don't do that. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. We need to be bold enough to be embarrassed for Jesus. Amen? Brother Tim, when, when he was sharing his story of, of sharing his faith, he told me that he felt a little nervous about it. It's okay to feel nervous. We don't have to have all of the answers in the moment. It's okay to sweat a little when we're doing it. But it's not okay to keep our mouth shut. It's not okay to allow people to just head down the path of destruction that they're already going. We're called to rescue. We're called to be a hospital spiritually for those that are in need. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that your word grows us deep and wide. I thank you that we have opportunity. Man, the disciples didn't have the New Testament yet. They didn't have access to the Bible the way we do. They didn't have presses. They, didn't, they had to go to the synagogue to hear it. They didn't have their own copies. We can carry around several versions in our pocket with our smartphones. So, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be biblically illiterate, but that we would study your word, that we would get in it, that we would you know, read different verses and focus on those, but we would also read the entire thing and see what it actually says. So many different people that are believers have never read through the Bible. It's not, it's not worth it to feel guilty about it. Instead, we've got to do something about it. So help us to do that. Help us to, to go through Scripture. And, and Lord, I pray that you will help us to pray to you, to ask for your help, to seek it out, to serve and to be a part of a community and a fellowship like you're calling us to. Lord, I thank you that you've put people around us that need to know you, that need faith community, that, that need to hear the stories of faith that we have. Help us to share our faith. Help us to grow deep and wide. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.